Hello and welcome everyone once again to a brand new episode of How to Pakistan, part of the series we promised that we'd be doing daily and now we're doing every three days, but we will step it up soon. I have with me none other than Musharraf Zedi. Musharraf, it's great. Tell us what we're talking about today and who our superbly special guest is. Assalamu alaikum to all the fantastic uh, listeners of How to Pakistan. Apologies for our broken promise. We're just trying to get you prepared for what's about to happen to your hearts over the next five years. <laughs> we've heard we've heard so many promises that are not going to be kept. We thought we'd just uh, we thought we'd just prepare all of you. So uh, today, uh, as as many as many keen followers of Pakistani politics will will know, uh, there's been a number of polls and there's been. Uh, some degree of, I guess, controversy around those polls, uh, principally because sometimes polls produce results that people don't want to hear. Uh, so we've had this uh, this series of polls, I think Gallup, Russian, uh, Pulse, and I think the most recent and most interesting one probably was the Herald Pakistan survey. Uh, across all of them, uh, it seems uh, there's... It's, it's hard to pick a winner. And so we thought we'd reach out to people who do this for a living and understand this stuff really well. And uh, the best we could do were two Chimas. So we got, we got in touch with Dr. Ali Chima from uh, LUMS. And uh, we're hoping that he can join us uh, during this conversation. But we're particularly excited to welcome back to How to Pakistan, I believe the first ever repeat guest of the podcast. Is that correct, Fussy? True, that is correct, actually. So, so none other than Azima Chima. Uh, Azima spent a long time uh, working on political polling and surveys and questionnaires. She understands questionnaire design. Um, she's worked on not just this election, but the previous one and the one before that, too. So thank you for joining us, Azima, and welcome once again to How to Pakistan. Assalamu alaikum, chaps. Thank you very much. Uh, what an honor to be a, the first repeat guest. We, we set it up. This You've become the double shower of our program. Yes. Although <laughs> I was more than content to be the fun Chima for this uh, show uh, until we, as long as we wait for the great Chima to join later. But <laughs> I was told that all Chimas are great, but that might just have been a village rumor in uh, Chimistan. Yes, well, we are a nation, what can we say? Listen, tell us, actually, before we get started, it is election season, and I don't even know if you know the answer to this question. Who are the Chimas? Are you guys Rajputs, Jats, uh, Arayans, Maliks, oh. Sheikhs? Like, what's your deal? What, what Are you all Sikhs, Muslim? Like, what, what's, what's, what's going on with the Chimas? So we're Punjabi Jats, but that's about all I know. You're asking the the worst possible person. I don't have much of a sense of what the Jat Chima identity is about. Uh, I'm an urban brat, so. <laughs> well, but tell yes, me this: are uh, Bajwas are Bajwas also uh, are Bajwas also Jats? One couldn't answer that. <laughs> one couldn't answer that. One wouldn't answer that on behalf of someone else. Listen, uh, what? Uh, like how it went from couldn't to wouldn't. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. Um, tell us this: uh, Are all Chimas from Sargoda, or is this a more dispersed, more widely dispersed tribe? Uh, oh dear, Sargoda, you just you just, just kind of shifted them to uh, the whole wrong location. Sialkot, bro. Oh, come on now. Sialkot is Dar Darville and uh, and Khajaville. Sialkot is no, basically no. Sialkot is very much Chimaville as well. Okay, so are you guys Kashmiri or are you guys locals? Oh, locals. So you have I think. So you're one of those groups that has contempt for the migrant Kashmiris, like the like the Khwajas and the Dars. Look, I am sitting in Islamabad in FH. <laughs> We're the type who have contempt Listen, for you know people what this who is? move to Islamabad from other cities and live in F11. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know, I know, the, I know the type. The concern. Been, yes, yes, the the riffraff uh, from Karachi that's 
entered your city and uh, and made it less pristine. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I'm, I'm actually fascinated by this conversation because I thought you guys were like all the same. No, this is, by the way, this, the, this whole conversation is in honor of my Pashtun brethren, right? Because I'm just trying yeah. to prove to you guys, it's cool, man. You guys aren't the only tribals around. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought, you know, I just uh, quickly um, set this up slightly. So we've looked at a lot of opinion polling. I think it's, and I think Musharraf's absolutely right. A lot of people receive opinion polls with clenched fists because it gives bad news to some, good news to others. And the fascinating thing I think that's happened is that from somewhere as April of last year, or last year early on, we saw, you know, big, fairly uh, a double-digit lead for the PMLN, and they maintained it despite their troubles. And then around May, the bad news started coming in, and the PTI significantly started eating into it to the point where they're either neck and neck now or the PTI has a slight lead. I mean, this is at a national level. And, you know, so I think one of the broad questions is interesting is like, how did that happen so suddenly? What accounts for that? Um, so that's something really interesting. And, you know, in a lot of places, uh, like in KP, we're seeing polling, which is fairly consistent over time. Uh, even though there are changes there. So I guess the first question I would ask, uh, and the really interesting thing is like you can mentioned I, also I, the Can I congratulate you, uh, Fussy? Yeah. That question was like 78 seconds long and the question hasn't been delivered yet. You have just won I'm first sorry. prize in the Pakistani conference question competition. Yes, and, and this is not finished. The second point is that <laughs> in the new Herald... SDPI survey, I think one of the big things that comes out is this large percentage of undecideds. So what I'd like to ask Azima is one is that, you know, on this, we're seeing this reversal around May, June, what accounts for that, that includes uh, political changes. And secondly, this new thing of undecideds we're seeing in such a large number. Um, is this new or does it just seem too new to us? And what does this really mean for polling? Okay, so so polling is always um, really just a method applied to capture a snapshot in time. And that's all that polling does. Over time, people read the changes in polls. They, they read the changes in the data to, to you know, m make arguments about trends. What's happening here is, this, particularly the question that you just asked, Fasi, about uh, oh, all of a sudden it looks like there's been a shift. Well, well, shifts in polls are always sudden because public opinion is highly influenced by current events. And so in this case, um, even if we go back to the last elections, PTI had hit a peak somewhere in February 2012. Uh, there were certain polls conducted uh, around that time that show that on the back of Jalsa's conducted um, in late 2011 and early 2012, PTI had become the most popular party and it was a very sharp spike. And following that, uh, there was also a very sharp decline. And first of all, justifying the spike and for, uh, took a lot of sort of uh, um, analysis and also then understanding how that decline happened so rapidly, that was also difficult for people to wrap their heads around. So when political competition is robust, this is the, this is the lesson here, when political competition is robust, when there is a robust political discourse, when there is a dynamic that revolves essentially around an election, it is fairly common to see these spikes, particularly in an environment, in a political environment that's as complex and as volatile as Pakistan. So if we've seen like a sharp spike of PTI's popularity or a sharp decline of PMLN's popularity, no matter whichever lens you may want to apply to the situation, if that is in fact true, that is 
isn't and and polls are capturing that that's not necessarily something to worry about that's not necessarily something to to throw at pollsters and say you know no, no, no there must be something wrong there are many things wrong with polls there are many deficiencies in methods um and also there are many ways of actually polling so depending on how people want to uh, apply research methods the questions they want to ask and what they want to come up with uh, um in terms of analysis it's all fair game unless there are blatant lies and in this case seeing a sh sharp spike is not a reason to for instance doubt the veracity or the the um uh you know the rigor of the methods applied in the polling so does that answer your first question um yes i mean but i was looking more okay so i i i i think that's a really good way of explaining what polls do and do not do um what about the second part i mean maybe a quick follow up to this before before you follow up before you follow up see i believe we've just been joined by dr ali chima hi guys hi welcome hello dr saab great to have you Doctor, we, we have we have uh, Azima Chima, Fasizaka, and myself, Musharraf Zadi. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me on your show. So, so maybe I could ask Doctor Chima the follow-up question, which I was already posed. Is Doctor Chima in the new Herald SDPI survey, which I believe you've done? is there is this percentage of undecideds my question is is this something that you found over time that undecideds are as significant a percentage as they are in this poll and uh, what explains them if they're unusually high this time um so that I think we've lost Dr. Saab. Yes. We're having trouble hearing him. Can you Uh so dead air at dead air is delightful uh Fussy. Uh while I try to well, <laughs> while I try to find him um why don't me... I sort of set that up a little bit for for yes, Dr. Saab. Yes, that's very helpful. Um the question of undecideds i think before dr chima comes on it absolutely must be said there are a number of polls uh, and and i can say this because i'm disconnected from polling at the moment i'm i don't have skin in the game so what i'm noticing is that there are many polls that are putting out graphics and slides that obscure the undecideds or omit them summarily right So uh and for me as somebody who's trying to get a full picture the omission of the undecideds is actually a critical omission If I'm looking at a picture of voting intention I want to know how many voters are undecided because people are undecided it doesn't mean that they're not going to vote it means that they might be making the they they, they may bring about the tipping point in favor of one party or the other So well, the well, fact so, that Dr. Chima's survey talks about undecideds in great detail is incredibly important. Secondly, uh in the lead up to the polls for the 2013 election, the proportion of undecideds was incredibly high. Particularly in KP at that time it was the highest and it was quite high at the national level as well. So undecideds are really a very very important factor in our elections. just a thing um yeah, i mean after yeah we can we can uh, hear you dog sub okay go ahead it isn't it isn't high quality audio though uh well there's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah the 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 uh the skype gods are are conspiring against us. Yes. I wonder if there's anything we can do. Look, uh, let me let me just jump in and say that 
uh, Azima, I hear you loud and clear. In fact, I was just, I was just messaging um, Fussy, and I don't know if you saw it as well, but I was just sharing the uh, this, this paragraph that that I had written two weeks ago, in which I had claimed, without any scientific evidence, I had claimed that just like in 2013, the 2018 election may not be decided by the partisans; it may be decided by those who are not partisan, those who are on the fence or undecided, so to speak, and that the Pakistani electorate, particularly in the Punjab, tends to be uh, tends to be defined by the undecideds in most cases. Is that historically accurate or is that taking it too far? I think it's probably taking it too far, but again, undecideds are important. Undecideds haven't been important in elections where there hasn't been a lot of political competition. But when there have been active challengers to the status quo, undecideds do matter. You see, we had a system here where you had hardcore party supporters uh, with the PPP and with the PMLN uh, in many cases, uh, though not necessarily in the same way as the PPP. But we had, you know, this, this, this two-party system in Punjab for a very long time, and that's changed. We may still be seeing essentially what is a two-party race in this election, but that's gone through so many fluctuations and so many additional players that it is important to factor in that people now have choices. And for a voter, there is an entire voter calculus, whether voters based on, uh, you know, biradri links, whether they vote on religious affiliation, whether they vote on ethnic affiliation, whether they vote for uh, a political party based on that political uh, particular party's stance on an issue, or whether they just vote for candidates that they agree with. So there are a number of things that go into it when it comes to political uh, partisanship, uh, particularly, um, you know, PTI and a number of other challenges that we have seen. Uh, PTI aren't the new kid on the block anymore. There are a few other options in Punjab. Uh, that have come up uh, of late. And so people are really weighing their options. And that's exactly what should be happening. And, and Dr. Dr. Chima, is that, is, is that sort of uh, availability of choice, um, is that what you found? Or, or, or is the undecided phenomenon sort of different than the way that we were talking about? Um, first of all, can you No, I don't. I don't think we can. Uh, I think we've lost uh, Dr. Chima again. Um, we're not yes. able to. We're not able to hear him, which is uh, which is too bad. Uh, let me see if. We if can... I could ask Azima, uh, another question, is that you know sometimes when we look at sort of headline results that come in the newspapers on the front page, right. that they, you know, in terms of the most popular figures in the country, uh, let's say. Sorry, no, can had... you hear me now? Oh, that's that's. Oh, this perfect. is very clear. For the. Okay, so I'm on my phone now. Oh, so fantastic! I've dumped my computer. Yeah, no, that's the way to okay. go. Perfect. That's the way to go. Okay. Okay. Great. So, so Dr. Chima, I think we'd also pose the same question. We got some great insight from uh, Azima as well, but. Uh, in, in your recent survey, uh, we were just discussing, you know, this high percentage of undecideds. We just wanted to know, historically, is this so? Number two is uh, how important is it? And what explains this percentage of people who are not yet decided? Um, so historically, um, like Azima is saying that it's it's kind of been a mixed picture when you look at polls. Uh, because a lot of polls actually don't report undecideds because they force people uh, to pick an option. Um, and so it's difficult to say what the trends have been. Uh, but I like the way Azima kind of framed it, um, which was to really think about people who are choosing different um, And I think if we look at electoral data, not just polls, what we find, particularly in Punjab, is that Punjab has gone from being a province 
which during the late 80s and early 90s was a province which was really going through two party races uh post the musharraf era it became a province where on a very large number of seats basically it wasn't sort of only two party races that were happening and what you find increasingly is that there was a third candidate and a fourth candidate that was having um an impact a material impact on the outcome of elections so let me give you a couple of figures for the 2013 election um in the 2013 election in punjab there were 72 seats on which the third party candidate actually polled greater than 10% of the vote now what does that translate into in terms of numbers is a 33000 votes on average now a person a third contender getting 33000 votes would have a very significant um impact on an election so azima in that sense is right that people are not just choosing between two options but they're weighing multiple options um and i think that the second thing which makes undecided voters uh, very important and interesting is that the uh, metric on which they're judging an election uh tend to be different from the partisan voters of parties okay so that's and really that's coming out in the poll quite clearly so i just ask one follow up on this which is something yeah. i've seen in the us elections which was this hypothesis that in their number of undecideds that there was an element of uh you know a social desirability bias that they felt that if they told the pollster who they really wanted to vote which of course in this case could either be an advantage to the pti or the pmln do you feel that may be an issue also so the the nice thing is that uh, we know that if you look at campaigns basically they they are parts of campaigns which have great partisan appeal um and i think what we see in the data of the herald poll is that when you look at undecided voters they fall somewhere in the middle on these partisan appeals uh, but when you look at sort of core partisans of parties they have a very clear position uh in the sense that they're um sort of uh, affiliating or attaching themselves to a very core partisan message that is coming from their party so i think that gives me sort of greater confidence that this is not just dr- driven by a social desirability bias but that we are looking at people who are consistently reporting different preferences from partisans on a whole host of other questions so also fashi people like you know people have you know sort of seasoned researchers uh, like dr chima they have uh, methods and safeguards in their approach to the research to prevent i mean to 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 sort of control for social desirability bias to the greatest degree possible and so that's not the kind of thing that would worry me what does worry me is that we're going from presentation of polls to directly reading the polls and people who may not necessarily you know understand polling are directly extrapolating seats from it and making predictions and that in our context which is a first past the post system that doesn't work here uh, it's also uh, you know our questions that are essentially horse race questions asking a uh, political party preference don't necessarily factor in um vote banks of electables and the the you know patronage politics network and also in an environment where electables are sort of a uh, mobile across different parties there i think so chima uh, azima and, and if i could just ask a follow up i think you're sorry yes, if i could just then and, and just complete one thing i agree with azima which is again sort of reinforcing the point and in particular when you have three party races on about 60% of the seats or 55% of the seats right um so in that sense it's uh extrapolating seats becomes very diffi- difficult 
when you have three-party races from sort of average polls uh, in that sense. Okay, so of course extrapolating seats is difficult, but uh, Dr. Chima, I wonder if um, you could say something about, well, if, if it would be appropriate for anyone to say that based on what you've said and based on what we've read uh, in the Herald, uh, the work that you and Asad Diakat have done, it's clear that the issue of corruption in the case of the diehard PTI voter and the kind of civilian supremacy or vote is a narrative in the case of the partisan PMLN voter, that once you, you sort of separate those out, there are other issues that will shape the decision-making of the undecideds. The question then becomes, if there are 50 to 60% of the seats in which the third party candidate or the third candidate, independent, not independent, regardless, that though essentially then what we're saying is roughly half the election in a place like the Punjab will be decided not on those two key issues, but on a third or fourth or fifth issue. Is that, is that, is that accurate to say? I'd kind of like to push that point actually beyond just the date of the elections. So for me, the more important point about public opinion polls is that they're giving us a sense of the kind of issues that people would like that their government deals with. Um, and in some sense, we have these campaign messages which are crafted, uh, obviously, to resonate around an election. But then there are other issues, which could be issues of rights. So one of the things that's clearly coming out in the poll is that regional inequality is a big issue. Um, then there are issues about the macroeconomic situation. There, there are issues about citizenship rights. So these are all issues that in some sense, uh, these poll numbers are capturing and the Herald poll is not the only poll that has been capturing those, uh, those that information. So the question is, in some sense, whoever takes over the next government, how are they going to position themselves to deal with issues that are mattering for voters, not just th in this election, but they have consistently been mattering for voters and that governments have not really been able to resolve. Um, and what's the agenda that gets set set up? For me, the public opinion poll is much more important around that dimension than calling a horse race, uh, as Azima said. Um, you know, uh, and, 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 and I think that where I would like the debate to shift is to really start putting together the jigsaw of issues uh, to really define policy. So can I just, uh, when, can I just, uh, Dr. Sub, can I just ask something that, Slightly, it didn't surprise yeah. me, but it did concern me. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. Maybe Fussy wants to jump in uh, here as well. In in the most recent piece where you're explaining uh, the different issues and this idea of the undecideds and and the the issues that go beyond the partisan issues, you said that yeah. you said that uh, particularly in KP and the Punjab, there's a degree of. Um, Maybe satisfaction is too strong a word, but that the partisans in both provinces for the dominant parties in each province, PTI and Khabar Pakhtunkhwa and PMLN uh, in the Punjab, they seem to be reasonably comfortable with the performance of their respective parties in education and health. Now, as, as you may guess, I have a vested interest, a very significant vested interest in the question of education. I, I saw that so as a actually, little bit alarming yeah, for, for sorry, the work yeah. that we do because it seemed to say that given how terrible the situation is, we should have been able to get people a little more agitated than they are and that perhaps the propaganda or public relations or advertising campaigns have been effective in hollowing out whatever critique there was going to be vis-a-vis -vis education, for example. So I, I think I, I read those numbers slightly differently in the sense that I think what people are saying is 
that they're seeing improvements. Uh, if you use a different metric, which is to say, you know, sort of, is the learning of the child improving? I know you've done a lot of work on that. Other people have done a lot of work on that. That's where you get into the nitty-gritty of policymaking, and you find that the quality metric is something people still want to push. Um, so all that the poll is capturing is to say that here are governments which are showing improvements uh, in terms of citizens' perception, and yes, it could be influenced by propaganda as well. Uh, but what's interesting is on a number of other services, you don't see a similar kind of movement, for example, in water mm. uh, or delivery of pure drinking water. So you don't even see that particular type of improvement. Um, so so I, I don't so sort of that, so, see so one that, sort of, you know, sort of saying that everything has reached nirvana. I wouldn't read the poll numbers as suggesting that. So I guess Alif... Uh, for Elan and then pay for Pani uh, eventually because yeah. clearly that's <laughs> that's uh, I, I was surprised by the by the water thing and I, I also thought perhaps the the recent surge in discussion about about water perhaps partly motivated by you know wider national security concerns may have had something to do with that is that a possibility? Uh, well, the only so we we've done a couple of other exercises, but they've been much more local. So we we did a survey about a year ago in Lahore, and again, this is drinking water, and drinking water shows up uh, as a big issue. And I know that the uh, sort of polls around the 2013 elections also showed that drinking water was a very big issue for people, because I think it's now directly connected to healthcare and public health problems. Um, and I think that there is a consciousness developing uh, that this is a very important public health issue that needs to be resolved and it takes a big toll on families. Um, and we've been doing qualitative work, particularly with women in urban and peri-urban areas, and it creates a huge burden uh, on the family and particularly women inside the family. So... For me, the important thing is that, you know, we, we're sort of crafting a set of issues uh, and we can dig deeper. I know you've done much richer and deeper work around education. Um, uh, we need to think about the macroeconomy, you know, sort of one thing that again moved uh, that I've seen moving in, in, in the few surveys that I've done is that I, in surveys that I did last year, I didn't see a macro uncertainty coming up to such a large extent. So we see that with sensible trends, people's perceptions move in the correct directions. Uh, and that means that we should take these views pretty seriously if we're going to take over government um, and policymaking. So uh, just yeah, to Yeah, I totally in, agree with Dr. Chima, by the way, because uh, also national polls aren't really the best, uh, you know, sort of unit of analysis for for uh, issues. Uh, what we find, like Dr. Chima mentioned, water coming up is a uh, big issue. It's a great example of an issue that doesn't really show up as high in the national numbers. But when you have a very, very large sample size, like 15 to 20,000 nationally in one poll, uh, and then you're able to disaggregate regionally, and for certain regions, it'll come up as as one of the top three issues. So, Azima, just um, to Azima, take that one of the questions. Sorry, go ahead, Musharraf. Sorry, uh, Fasi, I, I didn't I didn't mean to 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 jump in, but I, I just wanted to take that maybe zoom out really quickly and and ask you this. It sounds to me like, given the trajectory of what Dr. Chima described. And, and your confirmation of the emergence of issues like water. I mean, in a sense, isn't this a really, notwithstanding all the nonsense uh, in, in the run-up to this election and uh, heavily partisan sort of views on both sides about what this election is, is going to be, but if you took a maybe a wider lens perspective, isn't, isn't this proof that the democratic conversation and the democratic transition and culture in the country is actually delivering what it's supposed to, which is a national conversation that is about people's issues rather than nonsense? 
Absolutely. I mean, I don't know what the experience of people who are doing, I mean, Dr. Jima can speak to that, of people who are doing polling now. But, you know, five, six years ago, you were doing polling and your poll results didn't appeal to a, you know, a political party. There would be a 24-hour news cycle, basically just rubbishing it, you know, damaging everybody's credibility and stuff. And now, because there's so many actors polling and, and it seems to be a shift that even political parties internally have taken towards research, uh, it's opening up the conversation. The, the conversation being based or being driven by data and research is in itself a big shift. And I think it's important. So uh, I wanted to ask a question, which is both for uh, Azima and Dr. Shima. That is, like, you have political parties who have national mandates, and they have very fixed positions. So you've got PMLN, which is development-oriented, delivery-oriented. You've got the PTI, which is anti-corruption and a number of other issues. Um, what is it that comes out in the data that, say, like having a national message is one thing, but you have very specific regional touch points so whether it is even gender like what comes out as women's preferences and what messages or what um, you know water issues are more important to them and if anything comes out that okay Sindh is remarkable for you know this being at their top of mind of you know the consideration set when they're doing their voting is there any such differences that jump out so um, I, I think sort of let let me tie what the question that you've posed to um, sort of the the last statement that uh, Azima made. Uh, I think that when we're looking at polling numbers, uh, one thing that sort of uh, leaves me uncomfortable is that every everything comes down to a horse race. It's about you know did KP deliver five percent, satisfy five percent more respondents in KP than the Punjab government in Punjab, right? Um, I think what, in some sense, Musharraf was saying in a, a minute ago, and I think that's sort of where Azima was headed to, that really the, this is a kind of mosaic of issues and we need to start really analyzing what this means. Uh, so, you know, let me kind of give you a concrete example and that, that might also address your question. We know you know, between two years that uh, macroeconomic uncertainty has increased. Um, and we know that uh, it's moving citizen perceptions. Um, and that's true for men, but it's also true for women. Um, and, you know, Sarah Khan, uh, sort of we wrote a piece with Sarah Khan on this, um, who did the kind of gender analysis. And it's very clearly coming out to be a big issue. Now, this is not the first um, external... Uh, international sort of economic crisis that Pakistan has faced. You know, there's this whole uh, established literature on the boom of boom and bust cycle in Pakistan. But what this is showing is that governments come in, they go into an IMF package, they do band-aids, they put the economy onto a life support machine, take the economy off life support, but they don't change anything fundamentally about the economy to avoid the next crisis. I think for me, the big message is that if you really want to comfortably run in the next election, the one of the biggest things at the top of your mind should be how to make the economy competitive internationally and resilient internationally, because that's directly tied with certainty for citizens. Um, and that's the kind of message I draw from the poll, which is very directly tied up to policy. The question is that that needs to be repeatedly pointed out to governments that the solution isn't a short-term solution, but the political life cycle actually will require a longer-run solution which can put you ahead uh, in the next economic cycle. So there may be an incentive compatibility between your political requirements and the economic requirements of citizens. Yeah, and I'm going to say the exact same thing, and I'm just going to frame it a little differently. The fact pollsters put in 
slides and uh, questions on key issues to give policy makers, governments, those in governance, political parties who seek to represent people, to give those people a sense of what the, the, the uppermost anxieties are. And when, if, if an issue like education or health is not in the top 10, it doesn't mean people aren't worried about it. It just means they're worried about something else a little bit more. But it's up to policymakers and it's up to government, uh, governments and up to political parties to include in their campaigns, um, you know, a, an agenda to address those issues. So the point of having key issues uh, for the public in the polls is really to start that conversation with policymakers and they're either going to listen to it or they're not. And if you kind of strip it down, then in some sense, the big message is that, you know, people are living lives at, as ordinary people do, right? Uh, they're, they're struggling economically. They want a better future for their children. They want sanctity of health and education. They want opportunities. And that's the big message that is coming through. So in some sense, you're saying make the political process directly relevant to the lives of people, right? And for me, that's the big message. The, um, another mean, question, I don't know if it's too early in Pakistan for this, but there was, I believe, some discussion around the ECP. I, I don't know if it was, it was in the run-up, where they were talking about these polls actually influencing voting behavior. And I think it was political parties who had some apprehensions. Is there any possibility that they do have this effect? Sure, sure. But that's also a common refrain uh, for all those people who disagree with the results to come back and say, you know what, political, the common line is, polls do not reflect public opinion, they engineer public opinion. At the end of the day, if, if the results of the poll are resonating with people, then that means there was already something there. So that entire argument of, you know, opinion engineering is no reason to discount the validity of a poll. I mean, uh, I, I just think that the consumption of this material is not that widespread that I'd hugely worry um, that they're engineering sort of massive changes in behavior. Uh, if I look at political punditry and the amount of hours that it consumes, a few numbers <laughs> being batted about is like an iota on what is being said all over the place with assertions being made all over the place. But, but like I said, look, for me, the big issue is not calling the horse race, uh, right? Uh, if, if, you know, the consensus, the political consensus in Pakistan is that shouldn't happen, I don't think that would be a huge loss. Um, I know that every political party internally is having massively investing in polls, individual candidates are, so that's already going on. Um, but I think for me, again, it goes down to what the issues are. Um, and I think over there, what we see is that Pakistanis are crying out for what citizens cry out for in during the process of development anywhere in, in the world. Uh, it's about income security, opportunity for their children, health and services. But it, it also tells us that there are complexities. For example, uh, you know, what struck me hugely was the regional inequality uh, piece uh, that came out today. Because if you look at sort of citizen perceptions of improvement um, on certain services in Sindh, it didn't look very good. But, you know, one, when you looked at what people were saying about regional inequality, they were clearly tying some of that failure to just a perception that the region that they belonged to was being starved of resources. So, so there is a issue of political rights there too. So these are the complexities of analysis that, that smart parties will have to put together to craft, uh, you know, policies, not messages, but policies that directly impact the lives of the voters that they are trying to woo. And, and, and I think that that is really what democracy is about. 
So, Doc Sub, I, I wanted to pose, uh, maybe slightly controversially, I wanted to pose two theses, and, and they're not new. Uh, you and I have discussed them privately uh, several times, but, but I'm happy... I'm happy for you to rubbish this uh, more publicly if, if that's what you think it merits. Um, and, and Azima, this, this is uh, certainly also uh, for you to, to comment on and, and sort of uh, and break down, if you will. The first is that the whole effort or attempt by the PTI to shape national politics around corruption in many ways well, not in many ways, in one way, uh, could be, if, if we look at the poll results of the of at least the Herald survey, one could say that actually it has failed because it keeps the base of the PTI engaged, but what is that worth really? Wouldn't the base of the PTI be engaged regardless? That's thesis number one. Thesis number two is very similar um, but I would assert that even more strenuously because of the counterfactuals involved on that one. And that is that the PMLN's effort to essentially carve out a campaign strategy that privileges civilian supremacy and some degree of uh, agitation vis-a-vis civil-military relations is also a big fail because whilst the PMLN partisan is, is going to vote, uh, in that direction for the PMLN, it isn't really going to engage the the fence sitter or the undecideds. And so, haven't both our most significant political parties really, in a sense, lost an opportunity in the run up to the 2018 elections to shape a national conversation around policy issues that do have a better chance of being addressed than either corruption, which to me seems like as much a social and a political issue as it is an economic one, or civil-military relations, which is certainly both a national, but also an international and regional question. So, Sharif, I, I think that sort of, um, there, uh, let me try and address this at two levels. One is that, you know, waking up in government is a different day from waking up the day before the polls. And when you wake up in government, I think it is the issues of governance that become supreme. So whoever is going to come into government is going to be actually, you know, suddenly going to wake up to find that they have to stabilize the macroeconomic situation. That's not going to go away. The water demand is not going to go away. Um, and that demand and that uncertainty is being reflected by voters who would have put whichever party is, is in office. Um, so, so I think that, you know, the, the worry that those issues are just going to move away is not going to move away once any of these parties come, comes into government. The second issue, which I think, you know, we're seeing it at an international level, you know, whether you look at the kind of Brexit uh, referendum or whether you look at the Trump victory in the US, uh, what can happen in societies is that the polity becomes polarized around issues. Um, and then I think it's just really hard for parties to navigate the space um, because the core partisans are pushing parties in one direction. And, you know, if, if like in the UK, you keep the party, the parliamentary party keeps shifting away from the core, that that could be damaging electorally too. Uh, but on the other hand, if you start moving with the core, you actually polarize society so much that it becomes very difficult to govern. Uh, but it's, 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 it's tough uh, politically. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think what we want is a Pakistan that uh, is, is coming together. Uh, and it's coming together to to really deliver on uh, the demands, uh, basically, of its citizenry. And I think th that once that starts to happen, it makes for a stronger Pakistan. Um, and, you know, parties can disagree about those solutions. Uh, but I think that's what the real game is about. 
Um, and that's what leadership ought to be about. Azima? Um, I oh, Musharraf, to... both the issues that you mentioned, uh, one taken up by the PTI and one taken up by the PMLN as the core uh, issues, uh, the core campaign issues uh, that they have framed their conversation around. They were n neither of those issues were the top five issues for the voters. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, it doesn't play well with the voter when they begin to see these campaigns again and again and again with little variation in conversations around things that are actually important to voters. Uh, it goes on to reinforce the impression that politicians in Pakistan are primarily focused on self-interest. And so politicians and political parties don't do themselves any favors unless they frame their conversation in issues that are relevant to voters. Again, exactly this is the point that uh, Dr. Chima was raising earlier. So, yeah, um, in that sense, there are many missed opportunities, but uh, we do see indicators in the data that the voter, because he's had more choice, uh, because he's weighing his options, um, has begun to hold politicians to account. And so if we see the beginnings of accountability in Pakistan, sooner or later, political parties are going to have to change tack, not just in their campaigns, but also in their policies and also in the way that they govern. And we're going to see more of that. So I think that that's positive. Hmm. But it is um, given I, by voters. Hmm. So just wanted to ask a question, Dr. Chima and Azima as well, based on your work. So, you know, the media is the medium through which your work is disseminated, you know, it's discussed. What do you find is most commonly either misunderstood or misinterpreted or the wrong kinds of inferences are taken out from polling that you find fairly consistent and you wish were corrected over time? Aziva, you want to? Go first. Yeah, I think I think Doctor C. That's all you. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so I, I think what Azima was uh, saying earlier that you know there's um, you know everybody wants to predict seats, right? Um, it's not just you know by inferring from the polls. I, I see WhatsApp conversations. I see people debating, and everybody is wanting to actually predict seats. And like Azima was saying, that unless you have, you know, very, very extensive information and you have repeat polling, right, it's just really hard to predict outcomes, <laughs> right? So here I am, sort of, you know, I, I do sort of evidence-based work, but I think that it can take years and years and in very stable polities that predictions are easy. Otherwise, you can get uh, some of those predictions uh, completely wrong. Um, so, so for me, that emphasis, that kind of almost singular emphasis on predicting who the winner is going to be, detracts from the rich conversation that we've just had here, where we're trying to sort of put together this mosaic about issues, because at the end of the day, you know, what is government about? Government is about, you know, uh, delivering for the, the, the citizenry um, in some sense. Um, and it's really about the disagreements are there about how that should be done and what arrangements uh, should be used to do that. Um, and that to me is when, you know, when I write, it's to kind of catalyze that debate, not just to say, oh, X is going to be prime minister on, on, on the 26th of July or the 25th of July, late night or whatever, right? Uh, and, and I think that, you know, we're, we're seeing the beginnings of that and uh, one would like that that conversation becomes deeper. Azima? Uh, it's same thing. It's, it's really because there's so much of a focus on the horse race. Uh, there's it's very difficult to get policymakers actually to engage with with the real conversation that's coming out of polls. Um, and secondly, just just misinterpretation of. Also, I think we need to have some kind of a structure in place that 
where you know the the media allow the pollsters to actually help them understand what a poll is and what a poll is actually saying too often the media is trying to pull more out of uh, a poll slide than than is there uh, they're trying to to establish causal links you know and, and it's it's all quite disturbing as a pollster and it yeah. also i it quite distracting so i i think there um you know there should be more interaction there should be more conversations around polls because there there's lots of misinterpretation like so something as simple as oh no why is corruption uh, you know number 7 in the list of key issues defined uh, identified by by uh, the respondents does that mean they don't care about corruption how could they not care about corruption That's well because they're because they're pat- they're patwaris and lefafa pollsters Right, Obvious. exactly, right, exactly, and so, so that sort of misinterpretation just exists in perpetuity, to be honest. And and uh, I just kind of like to add that look, um, sort of data through surveys or polls or whatever is 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 one sort of piece of information. At the end of the day, it's about putting together, you know, sort of um, a framing of. issues that that government and politicians need to deal with and in that i personally take a political opinion seriously too i i take the work of people who do qualitative work very seriously too i take actual sort of uh, elections data administrative data very seriously you know uh, people who are working on sectoral issues like health and education in some sense you know it, it's it's about bringing this together to really fostering that debate um but i think that will start to happen when the purpose is to talk about the issues not to predict the horses well on that uh on that sort of and professorial note very quickly just yeah. want to throw in one quick curveball because it's something that we haven't touched is the level of enthusiasm of the voter we will have i mean i'm hoping that we have you know a similar turnout to last time we have so many young voters entering uh, uh the space but the enthusiasm of the voters i wonder really at this point how many voters think that this election is going to be free and fair and worth participating in well but azima if 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 we take everything that's been said in this conversation to to inform you know uh, a view on turnout then at least part of the failure of turnout may not be as much about perceptions about freeness and fairness and credibility although of course that must be a factor but it might also be that the key conversations that are being framed by the key leaders of the country are not consonant with the key issues for the undecided voter and so if absolutely does that does that make any sense to you dr chima um I, i can't i mean I, i i let's that's something i think we need to analyze it's a hypothesis and i you know certainly i want to um first of all let's see if turnout is lower I, i'm not sure whether Absolutely. it will be lower it's it's not i mean i was talking to somebody today and i i think it's just such a toss up uh, you know it, yeah. It, it, yeah and and i and i think that also you know sort of uh um sort of electoral processes is is pretty nascent um so the more rounds we have the more we learn the more we understand behavior right so i i i won't sort of be comfortable extrapolating right uh, on 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 a poll at one point in time particularly when there's so many events happening even between today and july 25th indeed <laughs> even between yes well as the as the minutes and hours tick away we're getting closer and closer you guys have been amazing uh guests this has been a real education for me uh i think uh, i i speak for fussy when when i say that uh, how to pakistan is uh, incredibly and deeply indebted to both of you i hope that this offers our listeners an interesting and useful toolkit or in addition to the existing toolkits of our of our users uh, and listeners um in terms of trying to understand all the data that's coming their way over the next few days 
I'll let you close us out, Fasi. Um, I, I just also want to thank both of you, Dr. Chima and Azima. It's been a huge learning experience. It's been a privilege to listen to you. I also hope that you don't listen to the podcast in the future. You will realize how many suppositions, uninformed hypotheses we pass on as facts. So today, I've just realized that we're going to do this with a lot less confidence going into the elections and later on. But thank you so much for all of this. And we hope to have both of you on again in the future as well. Um, so thank you, Musharraf. And we'll be back soon with more How to Pakistan. Inshallah. Khudafiz, everyone. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Bye. Khudafiz.